Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and today I am joined by Tina Bauer. She is a mama, an educator, an adoptee, former foster youth, and consultant to foster and adoptive parents. So thank you so much, Tina, for taking time and chatting. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Absolutely. So can I just ask you, I know you are, you're helping coach foster and adoptive parents. Um, as someone who has lived experience with the foster care system and as an adoptee, why did that feel like really important to you? Yeah, I think it really stemmed from the question that I get a lot, which is like, what do you wish your parents did better? Also, like, what did your parents do well? Because I like to show both sides of it. Because I think it's easy to focus on like the negative and like, I wish they did this and this. But I have found that, you know, in the one-on-one consulting sessions with fostered adoptive parents, or even people who are thinking about fostering or adopting, or even like support people, like people who want to do babysitting respite. Um, whenever I have conversations with all those people, you know, just sharing like what my parents did well, is it's, it's an easy way to just like give ideas. Sometimes they didn't even think about that. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. And I think too, like an influx of direct messages on social media, I was just like, I can't, I can't. Like I just got so overwhelmed that I would just like delete the poll. <laughs> um, exactly. And my husband, he was like, you know, you like, he was like, you have good things to say, but like your time is so valuable, especially as like a new mom. And my work has become a lot more like involved and so like he was like you need to be making money off of this um, it was hard at first because you know I think mean, in this space it's like you know I don't want to charge people but then it's also like I, I that's kind of working <laughs> I mean exactly that's the thing I feel that so deeply I'm an Enneagram too I don't know if you're like Enneagram familiar but I'm just like my heart is like I just want to give everything away for free but I'm also like it's not reasonable or responsible, honestly, like to do that, you know, the quality that you can give to people who are actually intentionally entering into a space with you is way better. So I love that you said that. I relate. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So what was your, you know, you have the experience of being an adoptee, you have the experience of having the foster care lived experience. What is it that you feel are some important things that foster parents and adoptive parents should know as we kind of try to do this really well, because I'm sure that's what people want to do and they come with the best of intentions. And I know I, myself, as a foster and adopted mama, I've I've made a million mistakes and I want to do better. So what can we be doing better? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. Um, and I get asked that all the time. And I think, you know, as with all things in foster care and adoption, I think it depends on your situation. But I think generally, you know, when it comes to adoption, just understanding, you know, whatever kind of adoption, international, infant, foster care, whatever, um, just understanding that, you know, adoption isn't the magic cure and there's going to be trauma because the kid that you're adopting was separated from their first family. Um, whether they were abused or neglected or not, or had a great foster care experience, there's still trauma. So, you know, just keeping that in mind. And, you know, I think for foster parents, it's the same thing, but, you know, just understanding that, you know, if you are a foster parent with an open home and you're taking placements, you know, one after another, there is no shame in saying no when you are just overwhelmed and really just encouraging foster parents to know your limits and, 
you know, it's, I think it's easy for them to get guilted into, you know, doing it. I mean, the need is so great, but, you know, I just try to be transparent about my story and how, you know, I was in a foster home where the foster parents said yes too many times and it hurt me. Um, and so I think just keeping that in mind that yes, it's hard to set those limits and it may seem selfish at times to others, but you know yourself. And if you don't take care of yourself, like you're probably going to hurt the kids and that's the last yeah. thing you want. So 100%. That's so huge. And I'm happy to hear you address that because I think one thing that I try to stress and that I had to come to terms with on my own foster care journey was doing my own work. Like I'm a therapist and I came to the table and I didn't think like, oh, I know everything. I didn't think that at all. But I thought best case scenario, like my husband's a teacher. I am a social worker. Like we, we are like as well equipped as one can be, you know? And then that's just like hilarious. Like in the face of what actually is foster care. No, like, and I quickly realized how much I needed to be doing my own work because of exactly what you said. Cause I was like, I don't know that this is sustainable, even with, you know, one child in my home, <laughs> um, yeah. if I don't take care of myself. So how do you encourage parents to do that on this journey? Yeah. I mean, I think, like you said, like doing the work yourself, you know, being in therapy, um, having trusted, I would say very few trusted people that you could talk things through, you know, just knowing, like listening to your body when you're sick all the time or you can't sleep, like just knowing when to step back, you know, building your community, having people who can provide respite so that you can take a night off um, and know that your kids are in a, you know, a trusted home while you're just breathing. You know, I think too, I mean, like I said, therapy, like that's just huge because I mean, I'm a new parent and I'm sure any parent can relate that parenting brings out the worst in you and add trauma on top of that. And it's just like, yeah, it's about to get real raw, real fast. <laughs> so, um, you know, just understanding that, you know, you have to take care of yourself or else you can't be what these kids need. And I think that's true for parents, period. Yeah. Like you, you can't be what your kiddos need if you are like, pouring from an empty glass, so to say. Totally. So how are you, how is that showing up for you as a new mama? Because you have, <laughs> your your little guy is tiny, right? He's just like, is he less than one or is he one? He is a 17 months tomorrow. 17. So he's oh a little gosh. bit over one. Okay. I know he is so busy. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's, you know, prioritizing um, my mental health. You know, I really prioritize like having like all the, my whole medical team in place before I gave birth, just so that in, I didn't know what to expect. And it ended up being a crisis. So to have everybody already in place was just like ideal. And I think that would be ideal for foster parents too, you know, have a therapist already picked out, have a psychiatrist, if you need medication, you know, just have those things in place because, you know, expect the worst, I guess. Yeah. You can never be too I mean, prepared, honestly. Exactly. I think that's really good advice because I think a lot of times what I see is people are coming in almost like to use a different analogy than foster care, but like in marriage counseling, when people are like coming to the marriage counselor for the first time and it's like, we're pretty much already like one foot out the door, both of us. So we're here as a last ditch effort to like make it work. But I'm like, if you would have come like, you know, right, from the beginning, before. you know. It could be yeah, a lot learn better. Yeah, how so. to like communicate and work through. Your, yeah, yeah, exactly. that's so true. But yeah, I think just, you know, prioritizing my mental health and 
um, you know, listening to my doctors who said, like, you have to sleep at night, like you have to. And that meant, you know, extra work for me, pumping, which is so time consuming. Um, But also, you know, having a supportive, like, spouse is huge. Um, And I know not everybody has that. And that can be a challenge. But, you know, just, you know, listening to him when he tells me, like, you need to go get in the car and just go and uh, just go. And I'm like, okay. You know, sometimes it's just like me getting my nails done and it takes a long time, but it's like, I feel like a whole new woman. Um, and they don't even like have to really do my nails. It's just being by myself. Exactly. Um, And like in the summer too, like I took on mowing our yard because I could do it by myself. I could get some sun and it was productive and nobody could bother me. Yes. (laughs) It's like, this is my time. So, you know, making that time and, you know, learning to prioritize it for yourself and for your spouse, if you have one, because you just, you know, you need that time. And I think too, like if needing that time is not enough, like motivation for you, I think as well, especially with our little guy and even with older kiddos, like you're modeling for your kids, how to take care of themselves. Like, would you let your kids like run on no sleep and not take time to rest no you wouldn't so why are you doing that to yourself because that's what your kids see your kids like like we're literally teaching our little one like how to be a person yeah we don't show him like how to step back or take care of each other or even take care of him i should realize like he has bad days too he just can't tell us he's just you know (laughs) screaming (laughs) i know thank you oh that's yeah yes it's so true. It's so true. And and like you said earlier, it's like an, an important why for me has been like, I, everything in me is like, well, I should just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. And I'll just pour out, pour out, pour out for these kids. But really I I'm the least good version of myself when I do that. And it's, that's not benefiting my kids. So like at the end of the day, I'm like, right. my why is I'm going to show up better for every person in this household you will all benefit directly when I take care of myself. And as you said, too, modeling it for them. It's like, yeah, for sure. Like a big thing to do. Yeah. So when parents come to you, I'm curious, do you hear like, what are the main concerns or, or things that they're worried about when they come to you? Because I have a list in my mind, that like a mile off that I would be like, hello, <laughs> I would like some help with this. But I'm curious what people are coming to you for primarily. Yeah. So whenever people book a session with me, it's usually like people who are thinking about fostering and just like have a lot of questions about like, you know, making a safe space for their child and stuff like that. And I'm very clear on my website as well. Like this is not therapy, not legal advice. Um, And I'm transparent too on my social media. Like I don't know about the process. Like I was in foster care, but I'm not a foster parent and I have no idea. Um, and I get a lot of those questions too, surprisingly. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> As somebody else on Google. Um, people. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I think, you know, the main concerns that I have are connections or that I have. The main concerns that people come to me with are connections with biological family. You know, if there is an abusive or unsafe parent And they are adopting the kid and they're like, okay, what, how do I navigate that? You know, I think I had, I've had a few recently where they're like, you know, we need advice. Are we going to adopt this kid? I'm like, okay. uh." And I just, I I said throughout those whole sessions, I'm like, I don't, 
know you. I don't know your family. Like you just need to just like, I can give you my perspective, but like, you know, your family and you need to make, take what I say and make it best for your family. So those are a little bit like, Oh, this is a lot, but some of them too are like, you know, just helping kids with like academic struggles um, because I was a teacher and like have that knowledge. Some of them have been to like parenting, like kids who are struggling with teenagers and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. That's like the whole yep. gamut of things, honestly. And I feel like yeah, so yeah, it is valuable <laughs> to have someone like yeah. you that we could come and be like, hey, this is a struggle for me. And I love how too, you're, you're so transparent. You're so honest. I love what you post on Instagram. You're so like, you're, I think your profile says like, I'm here to rock the boat or is that what it says? Maybe I have to look yeah. it up again. But I'm yeah. like, I love that because like sometimes <laughs> yeah. the boat needs to be rocked. Like, and I feel like a lot of yeah. what you say resonates with people and it maybe does rock the boat, but again, in a way that it needs to be rocked because your voice is so valuable. Your experience is so valuable. And we don't, I mean, I can speak for myself. Like I don't personally know anyone with lived foster care experience. And as a mom who's raising two kids that have, you know, I, I think too, for me, I can struggle with fear on a lot of days where I'm like, you know, I want to do the absolute best for them. And I want someone to tell me exactly what to do to make it hurt the least for them. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I think, what would you say to a parent who's struggling through those emotions of like, I love these kids. I want to do the very best for them but I'm afraid that someday they're going to look at me and be like, you didn't do the very best, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a common thing for parents in general, but I think it is a heightened anxiety point for foster parents or adoptive parents, maybe especially parents who've adopted from foster care. And just because, you know, something happened for the kids to end up in foster care. And, you know, it's just kind of like a baseline, like it's hard. Not to say that other forms of adoption aren't, but it's just, it's different. It's complicated. There's other people, like, it's complicated. But I think, you know, I actually had a session with somebody recently, and, the you know, those were some concerns that they had as well. And I think, you know, the first thing that pops in my mind is, you know, nobody is a perfect parent, and foster care and adoption are imperfect solutions to, you know, social issues like the world is a broken place unfortunately and they're rooted in loss and they are just you know filled with brokenness and there can be good things as well but you know just to keep reminding yourself of that daily like this is rooted in loss so the fact that it's hard is like it shouldn't be surprising although I think as parents we're like but we need to make it perfect um you know but I think just reminding yourself of that. And, you know, uh, one thing I, I love to ask parents is if you're going to make this decision, like, how are you going to rationalize it to your child in five years? And they're always like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, maybe you should slow down making that decision until you know. Um, and I know not every circumstance you can. Sometimes it is time sensitive and you just have to do what you have to do. And we've all, you know, we've all been there. But I think to, you know, how are you going to rationalize it to your kids? And like your mistakes are opportunities to model like repair and asking your kids to forgive you and accepting when they do and accepting when it may be hard for them. Um, because again, like I said earlier, like you're teaching your kids how to be people. Um, and if you want your kids to, you know, be gracious, kind human beings who are willing to say when they've done something wrong, um, which 
it's not hard to look at the world and see that we need more people like that, then you need to model that for your kids because where else are they going to learn it, you know? So I think just keeping those things in mind, you know, giving yourself grace, but also, you know, keeping yourself accountable. It's a balance. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's such a good reminder. And thank you for saying that because I feel like I, when I talk to foster and adoptive parents too, like I hear a lot of fear and I'm like, again, I can relate. Like, I know we all want to do the best. Every parent, I mean, you know, that's like asking these questions is like, I want to do the best for my kid. I'm here trying to do the best for my kid. So, um, but I think you're right that like, because it's, you know, foster care and adoption from foster care is rooted in loss. It's not something that we can be like, let's like the goal can't be we're going to make this easy. We're going to, cause it's never going to be easy. It's always going to be rooted in loss. It's always going to be an element of hard to it, no matter how, you know, your child feels when they grow up. And I think, right. Oh, sometimes I hear parents wanting this, like, and myself, I'll be honest, like in the past have wanted a, like, if I do this, then they'll be okay. Or if I do this, this, and this yeah. equal sign, they'll be, they won't like resent me or whatever. And I just think I don't, my understanding is that that's not, how it works there's no equation to like make things okay after you adopt and foster care yeah and I think too like that's an important point whether it's adopting from foster care or infant domestic or international any kind of adoption like I think you know as well that's when you go to therapy as the parent and you I think I think part of that anxiety and like tension that parents feel is the unwillingness to slow down and grieve that loss because that is a loss of parenting is that, you know, you, your kid has experienced trauma and things that you had no control over or just had to watch happen. Mm-hmm. And that's a loss in parenting. And I think it's important to grieve that and to work through that with your therapist or whoever, because it's real. And I think, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, well, it's not about me and I need to help my kids heal. I'm like, yeah, that's part of your helping your kids heal is, Mm. you know, grieving those losses. And I think too, you know, it's losses for them. They can feel it, you know, they, especially if there's bio kids in the home, you know, they've seen that, you know, you've had so-and-so since day zero when they're not struggling like you are. And that's hard to see sometimes. And that's a loss. And it's easy to be like, okay, I wish this wasn't my life anymore. Like I'm ready for the next version. You know, I know I've been feeling that even at 27 been adopted for a long time just like I'm done with the foster care experience (laughs) like can we just move on now can I have something else (laughs) um but you don't get to it's just it's just there yes that's so interesting and it's just such a good reminder that like it's you're right it's there it's like and and it can be confronting I think for me just being honest as a parent that I'm like you know I can choose at least at this stage when my kids are really young to like not acknowledge or enter into this grief that you're talking about and these conversations, even if it's just like with my husband or like my therapist, like, and just pretend essentially that like, we're just, you know, we're just a normal family, you know what I mean? But like, I mean, at some point, um, it's really so worthwhile to do that work to like enter into those hard conversations and do the hard work really of being like, I, this is all rooted in loss and it's okay for me to feel sad on mother's day because, Mm -hmm. and it's okay for me to like, literally sometimes I will feel sad when my son who's five, who came to us at six months old, 
he will ask a question of like when he was in my belly and he knows he wasn't in my belly. Like he, he knows he, you know, he has a storybook, he has his pictures of bio mama and he sees the hospital pictures, but it just like guts me sometimes. I'm just like, I don't know what, uh, like, you know, so what, what would you yeah. say to deal with stuff like that? Like, is there a right yeah. way to have that conversation? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just gentle reminders, you know, maybe asking once he's maybe older to actually answer, you know, what made you say that? Or why did you think of that? You know, just trying to understand why are your kids asking those questions? And I know it can be easy to, you know, be gutted or caught off guard and be like, okay, how do I do this? But I was actually meeting with somebody last night and she came to me with a very specific hard question. The first thing I asked her is I was like, so how did you leave it with your kid? Like, and she was like, well, I told them like, I'm going to need to like circle back and come back to you with my answer. And I think that's really good. You know, it's just showing your kids like you're not willing to just, you know, say the first thing that's on your mind. And of course we all do it because you're human, but you know, learning to give that pause is so important, you know? So I think too, you know, taking those, that time, sometimes you need it. Like, I don't know how to answer the question. <laughs> and I don't think your kids are going to see it as like, ooh, you know, I defeated mom. No, they're going to see it as, okay, mom wants to be careful about what she's saying to me. Like, that's that's pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I love that. I think there is, in general, a, you know, kind of a tendency as humans that we're just like, this, the first thing that comes to our mind in an uncomfortable situation where it's like, if we could yeah. practice that pause a little bit more, especially as parents. Then yeah, that would probably be really good for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. I, I remember the teachers so hard to do that pause. We had so many questions all the time. It's like I don't even know. I I literally would say to my kiddos that I'd be like, I need to think. I can't think if you're all talking to me. Um, I literally like my hats off to you. I'm like, I know, what <laughs> grades did you teach? Um, I taught third grade, so eight and nine. Less. <laughs> my husband teaches high school kids and I'm always like I'm sorry but your job is easier than elementary school teachers because <laughs> I had a conference today with my son's kindergarten teacher and I was just like I'm gonna pray I'm gonna pray for you sis like she is in the thick of it so we appreciate yeah. you as a teacher and and as yeah. a mama and you know former foster youth and, and consultant and everything that you offer is so valuable um, I want to make sure that people can connect with you and find your consulting services and just everything that you're offering. So where is the best place for them to do that? Yeah. So if you go to my Instagram profile, which is Tina Bauer with two A's and two R's, which confuses some people, but that's all it is. I actually have a book now button on my profile. Um, so that's I think, the easiest way to find it. Um, you can also just Google um, experience care consulting, all one word, um, and you'll find it there as well. But yeah, that's the easiest way to connect on my website. And then also on my Instagram profile, there are buttons in both places to like email me or message me if you're interested in connecting. (laughs) Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to link all of that up to in the episode description so people can easily find it. And thank you so, so much for taking the time. I know it's evening as we're recording this. You're probably like ready to be done for the day. And I just appreciate you taking the time out to chat. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you for thinking of me. Um, I know I've seen your name a lot of places. And so when I saw your name pop up, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I know who that is. (laughs) I love it. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much.